guys and welcome to the sixth episode of Below the Bar. In this episode, expect to find out what charities do to support veterans, how the production of Apocalypse Now almost got cancelled, and how we exposed a Walter Mitty at a house party. Let's get into it. Right, and we're back. Another episode. Bit more of a serious one this week. We've done kind of two or three weeks of um, frivolous topics. Uh, We're going to cover something a little bit more sombre. Yes. We'll make it good for them, we'll make it light-hearted. So it actually took some preparation this week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some foresight. Yeah, so we're going to be covering veterans yes. and the Safa charity. Yeah. So this is tied into what we were saying a few episodes ago when we covered the marathon. Yeah. We were on about, we were going to talk about mental health and veterans a bit more in depth just to kind of talk about reasons why we ran for those charities. Yeah, exactly. To, to sort of relate back to, obviously we ran for separate charities for separate reasons so just going to address kind of why what those charities do and a little bit around the kind of overarching issue that that charity sort of sorts out or looks to sort out yeah so we'll delve into the overall veteran landscape in the uk we'll touch on some of the prominent veteran charities like safa Mm. uh and then that gets a bit bit low we'll Light and proceedings with uh, top five war movies yeah. of all time. The definitive list. There was a serious, uh, a serious angle for this, but we've gone with the gone with the more light-hearted one because, like you said, you want to bring bring the energy back up. Yeah, exactly. Always, always finish on a high. Exactly. And I've got an A level in film studies, so <laughs> when I when I say definitive list, this is definitive. Yeah. Prepare to be nosed out at the end of this podcast. But we're going to go through helmet of the week first, as is tradition. Uh, so, do you want to go through it? So, it's only one between us. Yeah. It's so, so this is a joint helmet of the week this yeah. week because we came up with it together at the gym, and it is treadmill walkers. Yes. Specifically within the context of summer. Yes, absolutely. Um, even in the context of winter, to be fair. But we, on the day we saw it and thought of this, it was like a really nice day. It was like a bank holiday Monday as well. So no one's working. There's no excuse time wise, and so people are choosing to do their to get their steps in to walk on treadmills obviously negating the vitamin d benefits and the just in general being outside benefits that, that that come with walking outside rather than just you know staring at a fucking screen um in the gym which is obviously not what the gym's made for the gym's made for lifting weights and doing actual cardio that benefits you yeah, well we need to cover some basics here yeah. so what they've done is they've squared away in their own mind that walking on a treadmill is a workout which, yeah, which it isn't true. unless yeah, you're just, doing it's uh, just basic human movements yeah unless you're doing kind of like warm up cool down or rehab yeah in my mind I can't justify someone doing a long walk on a treadmill even an incline walk is far fetched yeah and this is we're not anti walking by any any oh, no. stretch of the imagination. We love walking, but I like to walk in fucking nature. Yeah. In the, out, out, in the outdoors. outdoors. <laughs> because again, a gym is made to do other things. And if you're spending your training time, which for a lot of people is very limited, you know, you only have an hour to train, if that. And so why are you spending 15 minutes of it at the end just walking when it, you could be doing that at the start of the day and just doing it separately? It's fucking stupid. getting 15 minutes more of something that's actually going to benefit you in terms yeah. of strength training or, or building your physique this, whatever. this actually annoys me right? yes. hence why the helmet of the week because I do a lot of walking around like we're very fortunate to live near quite a lot of nice open countryside aren't we yeah. so a lot of the walking I do is more to clear 
headspace than it is anything else. Well, this is the difference though between you having a generally active lifestyle anyway and walking being a part of that, but nothing nothing that's like constitutes a lot of your activity. You know, so because yeah. you're running and doing weights and that anyway, walking is kind of a side note. It's it's mental space, like you said, rather than actual a physical effort. Because some people haven't done over two thousand steps in in three years, and so for them, walking is a complete, you know, it's a crutch to to rest on because they haven't done actually any any exercise for for ages. So it's something that it's like a low hanging fruit, low barrier to entry thing that you can do. However. You make it more, make it higher barrier to entry if you do it at the gym because you've paid now twenty pound a month to go and walk on a treadmill. Yeah, and so so I don't want to shame everyone for walking on treadmills because I don't know. Say if you've say if you're just starting out on your fitness journey and you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, it makes sense to walk before you run, yeah. right? But I go, we go to this gym a lot. We know the usual suspects, yeah. and these people are in here day in, day out, yeah. walking plodding along on the fucking treadmill like a hat yeah for like a, a long period of time as well yeah we'll round ra- through like four or five sets look round and they're still there it's but, like, they're not warming up but this is the annoying thing right yeah you're right they're not warming up yeah. because it's not even a challenging walk to them because they go there's no progression they just do the same walk every day so their same body's pace. the body's adapted yeah. to it accommodation yeah and you just know they're going home with the idea that they've put themselves in the locker. Yeah. And they're just going to scram a load of fucking carbs, aren't they? Even so, they're going to go home and sit, likely, aren't yeah. they? Because the, someone who's doing that isn't a generally inherently active person, so they're going to go home and oh, sit geez. for that now, will be sedentary for 23 hours in the day, thinking that that one hour with 15 minutes of walking has done anything for this them. Is, is when wanted. in reality, how long does it take to walk 10,000 steps, which is a, a hallmark goal, in my opinion, for everyone. It's not fucking hard to walk 10,000 steps. Probably takes about an hour and twenty minutes, maybe an hour. Like if you do, yeah, do it on an, one. an hour and a bit if you if you don't stop. Yeah, so no one's doing an hour and twenty minutes walk on a treadmill. So no, because actually, it's fucking it's soul. Fuck all. It's fucking soul destroying. Exactly. And also the fact that you're quite happy to leave the house, get in the car, and drive to the gym to walk on a treadmill. But for some reason, in your mind, that's less effort than just walking out of your house. Yeah, is fucking mind boggling. The thing for me though is the fact that you what you've just said there. So. They get out, get in the car, they go to the gym, which is the hardest part of going to the gym, by the way, is getting in the car and going, because sometimes I don't want to do it. When I get there, I'm good. They do that. They do the hard part, and then they're going to go and do something they could do at home anyway, whereas that time in the gym where they've paid for, and it's a purpose-built place to lift weights in a safe environment and progress and build muscle, build strength, improve your physique, and you're going to go and do something that you could just do at home. Makes no yeah. sense. I think you can't you can't make the argument that you have to go to the gym to walk. That's bullshit. No, exactly. Um, and even because you can walk fucking anywhere. Yeah, and it's probably better. Well, it is better for you to do it outside. Yeah, you know, like you said, because I do it because it clears my head. Yeah. Because you're out in the fresh air. You know, you're seeing different things. And certainly, I've noticed as well working from home a lot is you are a lot of the time just indoors. If you don't make an active effort to get outside, so even like a lot of times I'll spend my day behind my computer and then I'll go to the gym and I'm indoors then for in- the entire day if I don't make an effort to get outside and do something like a walk mm. then I don't have any time in na- in nature in you know and humans it evolved to be outside so it's a healthy thing mentally to be to be able to do and, and to starve yourself of that and do it in an indoor space makes no sense 
Yeah. Well, so there you go. Helmet of the week. Yeah. That's got, covered. Got off on a bit of a bitter note there, but <laughs> we'll uh, we'll move on. Right, right back in. So veterans, do you want a bit of a demographic overview? I've done some digging with my winkle pickers. Yeah, we don't, want, we don't want any of this research to get away. <laughs> exactly. So I found an interesting MOD report okay. for the Ministry of Defence that was published in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit dated now, but it's the most most up to date. Most up to date statistics yeah. I could find. I found this with MOD statistics. You have to go back a few years. All government statistics are right. there's like a delay of a few years because it has to go through the political machine it's before it's chur- before it's churned out. Right. Have a guess how many veterans there are in Great Britain. In total? Yeah. Hmm. Difficult. Is a veteran, so just so just so we know, is a veteran someone who served in a war zone or just someone who served in the Just someone who served in ah, the armed okay. forces cool. at some point. Um, I'm going to say 800,000. More. Really? Yeah, 2.4 million. Fucking hell, that's way off. Yeah. So it's currently, well, as of 2017, right, so there was 2.4 million veterans. I think there's less because it had reduced by 99,000 since the previous year. Oh, shit. Yeah. Why is that? Because, right, so I'll get yeah, into it. Because so the, the majority the of our veterans right. are very fucking old. Right. You know, so if you think about it, so like we're losing most of our World War Two veterans now. Yeah. A lot of people in were enlisted in Korea, which again is getting on a bit now. That was the 50s. Then you had all the national service. Yeah, and so since te- then, it, well, ever since then, you would see a, a downward trend in 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 service personnel. Well, yeah, right? armed forces personnel now is tiny, isn't it? What, yeah, is so it about a hundred thousand or something. No, the army, British army. So that segment is about ninety or eighty thousand. Right. Yeah. But there's obviously the Royal Air Force and the uh, Royal Navy as well. But um, yeah. Well, right. So do you want a, a more specific breakdown than that? Yes. So the average veteran is white male. And over 60, basically. Which over makes, 60, average. Yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because so, 99% of veterans are white. Yeah. I can fit the stereotype. 89% of them are male. Yeah. And 60% of them are 65 plus. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, really? Um, especially when you think there wasn't any women <laughs> allowed in the forces for a very long time. And, yeah. And so that's probably only, only the last 30, 40 years, maybe, has, has been... That eleven percent of of veterans being women, um, and they'll be younger. But so technically, you are a veteran. Technically, which I don't I, like that term. Which though. I mean, yeah, I was going to think this because I've never thought of you as a veteran. No. And I know you've never referred to yourself as a veteran. I'm also, yeah, because I'm not a hat. I'm, I'm also, <laughs> I'm also never. Don't ignore him. He walks around with fake medals normally. <laughs> yeah, my, my rig's just over there. Out of shot. Um, no. But, I don't actually consider myself a veteran. I know technically in whatever the definition is that I am. Um, but I have I consider a veteran someone who's served in, a, in an active, yeah, an active tour of duty. Because otherwise you've essentially just trained for five years and that's great. But I mean, so, so this is interesting, right? So a lot of veteran charities cast the net even wider. Right. So their definition of a veteran is anyone that served in the armed forces or done national service. I'm, I'm, nah, no, surely not. I swear I read somewhere that it might have even been like down to cadet level. No. Surely not. No, but I think like they count they still count national service as well. Which I think is a bit weird because that was compulsory. So like everyone yeah. of a certain point of a certain age in Britain. Yeah. But there was males doing it. What do you do you think there's um scope there for, for them to 
cater to people who didn't make it out of training? Have you got any stats on that? Any info on that? No. No. So I'm, I'm just wondering, because you said they cast the net wider, whether, you know, if you spent eight, ten, ten weeks in training, does that constitute armed services, for uh, armed forces service? I don't know. I... Uh, so, well, no, so the Safa so. charity cater to regulars and reservists from the Navy, the Royal Marines, the RAF, the Army, National Service, and their families. Yeah, so it won't be training. So, so I think you basically have had to become a trained rank. Yes, yeah, to yeah. Ca- to qualify for a regular or a reserve, you yeah. have to be have to pass training. That's good though. That's that's ideal. It means no one's fiddling the system. That <laughs> 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 was such a gammon comment. Then that's good. That's reassuring. <laughs> it is. I would be, All uh, these doll dossers plotting at home, thinking how they can fiddle a few quid at the system. Yeah, just do two weeks in yeah, training. Yeah, we'll just do ba- four weeks basic at Limston. You <laughs> fucking sound nice. Yeah, start claiming on all the charities. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that wasn't the case, but I mean, I'm glad it's not. Um, yeah, so I guess... So you're a veteran. Well, yeah, this is true. I mean, but I see, am... see, this is weird, right? Because I, I, like you said, I my definition of a veteran is someone that's seen action, basically. I have got a veteran's badge, so I guess that would tell me that. I know, you, but... you show me, like, every day. Yeah, he just took it off. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, they give you that with your leavers pack. So I guess that, that means you are. But I'm the same. I always considered it to be people who'd actually served. And I would imagine... Obviously, I'm not in that camp, but I'd imagine that if you had served and someone who hadn't would refer themselves as a veteran, you'd probably be a bit like, really? Yeah. Um, so this goes back to a bit what we were talking about in Lifting the Lid, isn't it? Mm. About how there's that kind of... Uh, is there's, There could potential for hostilities between service personnel that have served yeah. tours of duty and those that haven't. Yeah. And is- the, the kind of the lack of lot like earning your stripes almost yeah there is, there is certainly some of it definitely and and um not rightly so but you can kind of see where they're coming from with the fact that they've maybe done 6 12 18 months in in a country that's a shit all really hostile they've put in that amount of time to um the service and you who's maybe joined at a later date for whatever reason hasn't done that for whatever whatever reason it is whether you've just joined at a later date or whatever it has happened but there's still objectively a difference with what you've done and what they've done yeah I mean it's a weird one isn't it really because you can't really you can't do anything about the fact that there might not be you know an active war zone no and this is why most people understand you, know, like, you can't go out and start a war on your own can you <laughs> exactly you can't just go off peace and equally you really can't if you are in a so regardless of who you are if you're in the marines say in a time when there's war you're gonna go there's not like you can get out of it yeah so, so a lot a lot of it is just chance yeah really definitely. but i'm not taking anything away from people that obviously have no, and again, I think that's why it's, duty, but like, I think that's why it's uh, not a major issue is because most yeah. people understand that uh, and and don't really hold people hold things against people. Um, one thing I do want to say though is um, <laughs> this, I'm not going to name any names, but this is funny. Uh, so, in our troop at Armoured Support Group, they'll know who they are. They'll, know, they'll definitely know who they are, and so will everyone. Um, so we had some some stuff come across where we had to go to Estonia. So 
it's that the Baltics. Yeah. Um, so we had to go on a Baltics trip, and these two lads didn't want to do it for whatever reason. They just were they were handing the notice in anyway, and they were like, "Fuck this, I don't want to go anywhere." Like a free trip to Estonia. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a gash, but I mean it was it yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't amazing, but anyway, um, so we had to have some injections, some rudimentary whatever procedure to go into those countries we hadn't, hadn't had before, hadn't had in training, and so we went to the medical office and everyone's lined up for the vaccines. These two lads refused, both best mates, both you know in the same sort of same same mindset, they refused to get their vaccines knowing quite smartly to be fair knowing that they couldn't get sent on that trip without the vaccines and knowing knowing also equally that they there's no way they can force them to have a vaccine because it's one of them things yeah. it's not covid um it's one of those other things so they were like i'm not having it i'm scared of needles bear in mind this, this lad is covered in tattoos <laughs> so he's like oh, i'm scared man. of needles well you know are you um and so obviously that linking back to the point of um you know disdain between service members that with people who'd served in Afghan or whatever really didn't sit well because you can, can imagine, imagine it's you can imagine they, they went fucking regardless and they went to a fucking war zone these lads are asked to go for fucking four weeks in Estonia and they're like nah I'm going to find every every little which way to be a little you know and, and to try and get out of it they did manage to get out of it they didn't go but it was fucking hilarious so we had a crew room um, so like a you know, a room with a pool table and whatever. Everyone used to chill in uh, between jobs. We were all in there, including the two, two two lads. And our troop hierarchy literally took it in turns to come in in front of everyone. Usually if they're getting told off, you'll get pulled aside. <laughs> yeah. right. None of that. So it went up the ranks. It was like three lance corporals, three corporals, a sergeant. It did it individually. Individually. Did like elongate it as well. Yeah. So this was just like a, a bit of a dead space we had in the program, right? Didn't have anything on. And so lance corporals come in one by one and make a beeline for these two lads and literally just fucking unleash hell on them being like the worst, you know, insults you could ever, you would never hear any of these things in a workplace, for example. Um, and yeah, it un- unload on them. They leave, corporals come in, do the same, they leave, and then you're just waiting, aren't you, for the sergeant to come in, who's obviously the Billy Big Bollocks, got the biggest voice on him, and also had done the most service, so has the most kind of disdain for these two, um, and it was just hilarious to, to sit there, kind of uncomfortable, but to sit there and watch that was absolutely fucking brilliant. That's just avoiding um, my eyes, though. Yeah, and, and me, and they got a shit time of it, because they, they managed to stay on camp, but they got all the shit details. Well, you just made... Jobs life worse for yourself like Absolutely. it actually would have been easier to just suck it up and go to you know the modern westernised developed country in the EU yeah and actually <laughs> that trip didn't end up being that bad um, so it was fine but and it definitely wasn't worth the all the shit they got and it made them you know known around the unit as being a little bit of a shit like you said that's just going to go down like a fucking lead balloon because like you yeah, can't you can't do that you can't be trying to get out of a trip to Estonia in peacetime when some of your colleagues have literally like served in Iraq and Which Afghanistan. Which you've been shot at. Like, yeah. <laughs> that just fucking doesn't mad. fucking wash, does it? Yeah. So again, if uh, yeah, if anyone's in the services or is looking to join, then don't do any of that because it doesn't go down well. Um, but yeah, there you go. There's a little dit. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. Let's talk about Safa. Okay. 
a charity that you ran for. Well, yes. let's talk about veterans charities in general. But we'll yeah. start with Safford because it's, it's the oldest of the big ones. Did yeah, you know well, that? it's the oldest and it's um, it's one of the most uh, well known. So, so I didn't know this. I just assumed that the Royal British Legion was older, but it's actually not. Yeah. It predates it by quite quite a long time. Does it? About fifty years. Yeah. I knew it was the oldest. I didn't know it was that much that much older. But I thought it was um, between the British Legion, Safford, and Help for Heroes that did. That obviously did the most but yeah so Health Heroes is the new kid on the block yeah that's only been going since like 2007 yeah that's why it's quite um, modern isn't it and quite you know in with social media etc yeah so SAFA is an abbreviation what is the full title um, well it's the Armed Forces Charity isn't it It's. I think it's the Soldiers Sailors and Airmen's Families Association. Yeah, it doesn't really roll. It doesn't really roll exactly. off the top. So it's, it's, it's Safa, and then underneath they always put the Armed Forces Charity because it's yeah. like the flagship, flagship name. Um, but but yeah, Safa is also slang for someone from South Africa. Yeah, this confused they? me. So every video and everything I did, you know, plug in my link for donations. I would always say SSAFA, which is a massive mouthful. Um, you look like a fucking hat. I look like a helmet. <laughs> and then I realised on the day, everyone's like, "Come on, Safa." And I was like, oh, right, okay, that's how you fucking say it. Um, and because to me, Safa means a South African person. Yeah, So exactly. I wasn't going to go around saying that because obviously you'd be like, what? Um, so yeah, I mean, that was a learning curve for me. Yeah, so it was founded in 1885. 100, right, okay. 138 yeah. years old. That's mad. That's mad, yeah, isn't it? They must have helped veterans from... What, what were the fucking first... So first it, war, it was then? set up by a British army officer to help support the families of soldiers fighting in, I think, one of the Zulu wars. That's like one, mental, one of the colonial it? wars at the time. It's quite a... I guess not a modern thing, but quite a um, deep thing to think about for someone that long ago to be, to be to have the foresight to be like, okay, we need someone... need a, an organisation to come together to help these people who are coming back from war. True. It must have been quite a prevalent issue, though, because if you think about the size of the British army mm. in those days, at the height of empire. Oh, huge. It's massive. It must have been one of the main forms of employment in the country, if you were was, a bloke. Yeah. Um, that's true. But still, I mean, to have support, I, I feel like having support for people is modern anyway, in any regard. Modern things. Yeah, um, well, philanthropy was quite big in Victorian Britain. Was it? I think so, yeah, because the state... Oh, the you state know, would the, do a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. The the state structure wasn't there so much; it was left to individuals to fill the void. That's true. Yeah, that, that's, I think. that's where charities come in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There so you got go. the Safa charity. Got any got any personal dits with the Safa charity? No, nothing personal really. But obviously, um, I knew I wanted to run for a armed forces related charity that helps veterans. Um, apparently being one myself <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. more importantly I'd like to raise money for myself because no. <laughs> I'm fucking skinned <laughs> no, but more importantly obviously knowing um, anecdotally and kind of personally people who've left the service having done a hell of a lot more than I did and haven't had a good time of it essentially and, and have either kind of rejoined or whatever it is are doing shit jobs that they just shouldn't be doing right with what they've done for the country and so yeah, any charity to me that helps those people is mm. doing fucking great work and that's what I wanted to, to raise money for. And so to me, I mean, it's probably not 100% accurate, but to me, whether it was Health Heroes, British Legion or SAFA, really the money should be going to those same places. So it doesn't, 
it yeah, yeah, well, they really... all do a lot of good work, don't they? Yeah, but in terms of personally, I, I obviously I know a load of people who've left the service who who aren't aren't doing very well, basically. So no, well, yeah. I was literally today. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Jason Fox, mm. and he was talking about how when he got uh, medically discharged for what PTSD, he was like close to taking his own life. Yeah, and you will hear that. So yeah, much. and it's like it's all too familiar unfortunately all too it? familiar and you would think again you look at Jason Fox he's like fucking that's what I mean number he's... one alpha male you know he's yeah. like absolutely huge bloke XSF smashing it well he's like the he's like the poster boy for special forces in this country yeah now it? he is yeah and, but even he was struggling massively because and again another thing is that he put in arguably more than anyone else someone leaving not to throw shade too much but someone leaving like the RLC for example probably hasn't in uh, he's done four years definitely hasn't done as much as jason fox has done in his 10 years in special forces where literally every fucking every year you're away for 18 months in the uh, 18 months 80 percent of the year um and that time away isn't like a peacetime estonia trip it's war <laughs> and it's like yeah and you're like, doing mad shit and, and if you're like special forces as well like your time your contact time with the enemy is going to be quite high, isn't it? That's it. And so for, for those people not to get the support from, you know, from the government and whatever well, the state, is, really, it's just a massive vacuum, isn't it? Yeah, it's is terrible. So that's that's the, another good reason why we need these charities in, in place. Yeah, and as I said earlier, so SAFA specifically uh, will literally help any regular or reservist from the UK Armed Forces, be it, you know, Army, Navy, yeah. RAF. Marines mm. and their families, people yeah. that did national service back in the day. So you know, so they they've cast their net very wide. They're helping a lot of people, and they are quite huge, aren't they? And they, they do a, a brilliant job. There, there are individual, well, as far as I know, for the Marines, there is. I'm, I imagine that there are for everyone else, but the individual charities that cater to those individual services. So there's the Royal Marines Association. Yeah. Um, so they all have their own. Yeah. I feel like they all cover their own backs with their own like, associations and charities. But, but there's but there more are, broad brush There ones. are more like amorphous ones that have kind of grown, obviously, because of their age and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So so there's a lot you can turn to, but it all, all comes back to, which we'll speak about in the mental health thing, all comes back to being okay with accepting that you're struggling yeah. with whatever it is, financially, mentally, whatever, normally mentally, I imagine, um, and, and reaching out, because it, it kind of relies on someone reaching out to a charity a charity or or even this is why you get taught uh, and you get shown the buddy buddy system so much and so and yeah. it gets drummed into you because even afterwards you know if you're if you maybe haven't heard from your mate for three weeks four weeks you maybe know that there's something going on and you can reach out to him is he okay if he's not then you can actually on his behalf probably go to one of these charities and, and help yeah. out well one of the services that Safa provide is called Force Line. Mm. It's like a free confidential uh, phone line. That's good. It's a bit like the Samaritans, but for military personnel. A bit like the basically. suicide helpline. Yeah, of, effectively. Yeah. So if you've just got any issues or you need some support, there'll be someone there that you can talk to. That is brilliant, isn't it? But again, it still requires you to make the move, which is which yeah. is kind of the problematic bit. Yeah, it is. I mean, some of the other stuff they do, this support groups for bereaved families, sheltered housing for women and children affected by damaged relationships financial assistance and advice for families in need, short breaks for families with disabilities, okay, you know, so cool. potentially like an amputee or yeah. 
you know, stuff like that. So they, they're doing a lot of stuff, basically. Oh, well, they're, they're kind of doing a couple of other charities that make a wish foundation to do. I know that's a bit more their terminal kids, right? But yeah, they, they have that idea of a, a, the disability and, and sending people on, on trips and stuff like that. So, well, I guess it just shows kind of how big the charity is because a lot of charities, like you said, will kind of specialize in mm. offering a certain kind of support to a certain demographic, to a certain demographic but Safra are offering. A lot of services to a lot of like a wide, well, diverse array of people. people. Yeah. yeah, the only thing really that they've got in common is that at one point or another, they were armed service personnel. Yeah, exactly. And whether, like I said, whether that's four years and not seeing anything, or t- ten years in special forces and seeing everything. Um, yeah, <clears throat> you get afforded. There's no discrimination, or obviously there wouldn't be, but there's no like special treatment for someone who's done more or someone who's done less, which is really good. So that's Safa. Mm. That's kind of that's the one that I most know most about through yeah. you. We've obviously also got the Royal British Legion. Yeah, they're really big. You probably, they? if you live in a decent sized town You've in the UK, you will have a Royal British Legion affiliate. I guess affiliate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was set up in 1921, following the First World War, to help, to help the veterans of that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do anything for the Royal British Legion when you were in cadets? I did. Yeah, so... Um, Do you the usual stuff, like you pack people shopping and stuff? Yeah, and stuff. like standing outside shopping centres, um, yeah, kind of collecting a little bit of money for them. Uh, that was our main... Well, that's the main charity. I think that's one of their biggest arms, is, is trying to get cadets to raise money for them. So... You do that, you do... It's ingenious, really. It's free labour, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's not slave labour. Yeah. And they sell it, <laughs> sell it to you, essentially, by, by saying, yeah, you can put that on your CV, so go... go oh, do this, will, this will sound great in your fucking Marines interview. Your first job interview. Yeah, yeah so you fun. pack shopping, you do all that sort of stuff. But um, you, we also use their gaff, their building, for any like awards, ceremonies, or whatever. Um, so yeah, so it's heav- heavily linked. So our Royal British Legion buildings, any, like, that's like... 800 metres 800 metres away isn't it yeah. I've never been in there I've walked past it thousands of times yeah, you really kind have. of intrigued it's a proper old school like an old man like an old social club you know like an old man working working men's club kind of vibe yeah, yeah it is a bit like that is it like rows of seating yeah they, they can cater it's like a function room oh so they just change they just about. do whatever um, so like when you would have promotions in cadets you would have um, like an award ceremony you would get given your promotion Obviously, there'd be lines of seating with families, and yeah. then they'd clear it all out, and there'd be a big disco fucking party thing. Mad, fucking cadet. living the life, mate. If you want the rock and roll lifestyle of Harry Shepherd as get a youth, in get yourself in the connects, mate. Yeah. You can wear your uniform for Mufti Day. Yeah, it was good. Uh, was, um, and then obviously we've got Help for Heroes, yeah, which is the new kid on the new block. New kid on the block, but um, but huge and do do a lot and great work. So I actually, <laughs> this is funny. I actually went to a Help for Heroes concert at Twickenham Stadium, obviously the home the home of English rugby in like two thousand and eleven. Yeah. So I was like year eight. Yeah. Proper. Year kid, seven. Yeah. Proper. <laughs> not well. I, the thing is, so at the time I didn't even know really yeah. what Help for Heroes was. Like I just got sold it as like a decent concert yeah. by my parents. But like looking back now. I was just. This isn't related to Delph Heroes. It's just me being a fucking meld. Like, I spent the. This is how like kind of ignorant I was as a child. So like, <laughs> some of the biggest like pop stars of the time hmm. were playing. I don't know, fucking Alexandra Burke or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that. Oh, and I think it's literally. I think it was the first time that 
Gary Barlow and Robbie Williams had sang together since they split up or whatever. So it's like this proper <laughs> take, occasion. Yeah, this proper like <laughs> die in the wall like take that keynote's there yeah, like yeah, waiting yeah. for this moment. We're up in the fucking gods at the back because they're the cheap tickets and my dad's a Yorkshireman. <laughs> I spent the entire night on eBay, right, <laughs> trying trying to win a bid for a model James Bond car. Fuck's sake. So really immersing yourself so, in the experience. Yeah, so immerse myself in the experience. Yeah. Not done myself any favours there as a known norm. <laughs> did, you, did you win the bid? No. Right. Uh, yeah. And then I had the following day off school because I didn't want to go in. <laughs> Tough upbringing. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little ditch for you there. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I am told that the Health Heroes concert was good though by my parents who actually watched it. Yeah, so. who actually were present at the moment. That's funny. Uh, so they're the main three mm-hmm. veterans charities. There's obviously a lot of other veterans charities yeah, that perhaps a... don't have the same yeah. prominence in the media, but they're all doing great shit. Yes. Basically. Exactly. So if you're ever thinking of raising some money for a cause or whatever, but you don't really know. Mm. you know who to who's to do it for yeah who's hang your coat on yeah. then uh, give veterans charities I think because there's it. always people there's always going to be ex-service personnel that are going to need help yeah I get quite a lot of messages actually well a couple that, that people who are doing mad events and they're asking me to share their stuff and they're always budding marines or whatever and they're raising money for the Royal Marines Association which is fucking brilliant isn't it? yeah so I'd love to see that they're not even in the call yet no exactly and so they're doing like tough mudders and raising shit yeah great. that's um, class another one I wanted to mention honourable mention um, is the Reorg charity come across them yes o- only through you though yeah they're not massive I wouldn't say but they are um, building certainly so they're a Royal Marines founded charity by a bloke called Sam Sheriff who's a uh, ex-PTI in the Marines. And he's, um, it's kind of centred around Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, so what the, they do... He's the BJJ guy. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so what yeah. they do is um, essentially provide ex-Marines, or I think ex-servicemen, to be fair, I think it's pretty broad, any ability to, to go to Jiu-Jitsu events and Jiu-Jitsu kind of schools, and they subsidise things, I think, um, with the thought of... Marines like controlled aggression, which is jiu-jitsu. They also like to be in a community with like-minded people. And so all these kind of, these these things that prop up people's mental health in the core. So when you're in the core, loads of fucking time to get your testosterone out, right? Mm. With all the training. Loads of time spent in a community of like-minded people. When you leave, you haven't got any of that shit anymore. And you might be doing, you might be doing like an office job and, yeah. So, so what is it like? Feel really is alone. it like therapy through Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Yeah. Okay. Much. So it's pretty cool. I think it's a great idea, um, and it's run by a couple of legends. So we'll um, probably shout them out on a clip or something. But yeah, we'll... nice. Shout out to Reorg. That sounds good. Mm. It's good. So the other elephant in the room, which we have already covered in a previous lifting the lid episode, is veterans and homelessness. Yes. So go we, back and listen to that if you go if you, back and listen to that. That we'll was life after a, the court. Yeah, that was life after the court. If you haven't already listened to that episode, it's a good one. Mm. Uh, we'll give a little broad brush now. We'll, we'll give a broad overview and an update because we left you on a cliffhanger. If you remember, yes, for anyone that was aware. So, veterans and homelessness has uh, been a long-standing issue. Yeah. Not think I don't think it's unique to Britain, but we have had quite a large problem with veteran homelessness. So. The overall figures, so in the 1990s, 
figures estimated that 20% of homeless population of London were ex-service personnel. Yes. So one in five, that's high. That. That. Yeah. British Legion, our friends at the British Legion, claim that that rate is now much lower. So apparently, as of... 2023, there are 270,000 homeless people in the UK and 6% of them are ex-service personnel. Right. Meaning okay. that there are 16,000 homeless veterans in the UK. Right, okay. So, I mean, it's still a fucking lot of people. That's still 16,000 too many. Yeah. In my eyes. It's still a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, so we covered that in a bit more depth in the Lifting the Lid episode. So yeah. if, you, if you want to hear more about that, Anyway, the point that we need to cover is the fact that the government, make of that what you will, uh, committed to ending rough sleeping for veterans as well as wider street homelessness. By this year, right? By 2024. Yeah. So, by my, by my mark, that's just over six months away. So I did some number crunching earlier. Yeah. Uh, and that means that, given that they have the best part of six months, that means they roughly need to get 2,600 homeless veterans off the streets every month. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't yeah, see that so. happening. I'm not sure how big the veteran minister's spare bedroom is, Johnny Mercer. Can't imagine it's going to host 2,600 people every month. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, that's. I think they were trying to end rough sleeping in general, weren't they? It wasn't just veterans. Yeah, so it's wider street homelessness as well. So it's 260,000 people or whatever it is. Yeah. Brilliant. Again, so you're yeah. going to need an extension if anything. Pretty it? outlandish. And again, this is what happens all the fucking time in politics. Someone in a prevalent position will be given a random target. It's what happened in COVID. It's a lot of the reason why a lot of the COVID policy was terrible. Because, you know, they get given this. So, um, for example, testing in, um, in COVID was given to Matt Hancock. You're like, okay, I need you by this date to be able to test 1,000 people a day. Completely arbitrary, yeah. complete nothing really related to what was going on. Anyway, he gets to close to the deadline, and obviously it's career critical for him. And he's like, "Shit, haven't done it. Fuck. How can we kind of fiddle the numbers, or how can we, you know, give a, a quick contract to my pal? <clears throat> where, you know, we we'll get it squared away." So that's what that's where these things go wrong is that people, politicians, get given these random targets and. They can't achieve them because they're unrealistic. And See, it's funny that you mentioned COVID, right? <clears throat> because during COVID, during lockdown, they did end street homelessness exactly. almost overnight. Yeah, they did. They housed them all in hotels. Yeah, yeah. And then, then when and then, co- when COVID finished, they just kicked them all out again. Yeah, it's like, back oh, you go. Yeah, oh, sound like yeah. The pandemic's over now, so you can fuck off back on the street. That'll be sound. Madness, mate. Have you seen the clip of um, Rishi Sunak uh, at like a soup kitchen? Um, oh yeah, he was like he was like cosplaying charity, wasn't he? Yeah, it's fucking. He looks so fucking shit, out of his depth as well. Also, at the not that I watched it, but I saw a TikTok of it. Him at the king's coronation party, you know. So he's like, say Prince Charles and Camilla are like front row. Mm. He's like second row, mm. and he's like trying to act like he's an actual fucking normal human being by like dancing to take that. He honestly looks like a fucking alien, man. Like, that bloke... Are you sure he's, he's not on eBay looking for James Bond? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm fucking down with the people. <laughs> that bloke, he's so out of touch yeah, with normal society. He... If you just go and you've got to look at how much money he earns. Like, it's, well, yeah, it's well, just exactly. He's, li- he's literally his wife anyway. is literally a billionaire. Anyway, well, uh, I, we digress. 
So basically, the take-home from that little dit is that the government of Lloyd... Again. Again. Yeah. Make it that what you will. So, <laughs> about housing veterans, uh, and they've got six months to take 16,000 people off the street. I don't know how they're going to get around that, right? But what happens, again, is at the start of someone's term, they'll give ridiculous claims that they're like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, when you hear that on the news, you're like, oh, fucking hell, that sounds good. You know, vote for him. So uh, I'm, I'm sure comes around, you're like, oh, right, I'm okay. sure this will get kicked up at some point before the end of the year. Mm. Some journalists will do some digging and they'll be like, oh, well, where are all these, you know, where's all this housing for homeless people? Surely. And then the government will either rebuke it and move the goalposts or they'll blame immigrants. Yeah, Effect- which is what e- they do. Effectively. Is, that's, that's their go-to normally, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Um, quite strange considering the Prime Minister himself is an immigrant. But anyway. Um, you know, Wait, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? It's what like, his family were, anyway. Uh, yeah. They're from Bangalore. Do you know? He's recently been there. Yeah. Uh, yes, so take home from that is the government of hats. <laughs> the government of hats. And also, if you've got an ageing population like we have in the UK, you need immigration for economic growth. If you don't like immigrants, don't hate me. That's it. That's economics, mate. Yeah, so, that's how it works. So. Disagree? Leave a comment. I won't read it. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of all of the charity stuff squared away. Yeah. I wanted to cover the homelessness. I'm glad we got that. Put together a list of some famous UK veterans. Okay. So we've all we've we already all, had one of these segments, haven't we? It, it was about people that had served in the Royal Marines specifically. Uh, I've, okay. I've cast the net wider. A lot of a lot of a lot of net widening <laughs> this week. It's a theme. Yeah. I'll be honest, they're a bit dated because okay. like like we've already said, just with demographic trends, less old. people serve in the armed forces now. So the chances of them kind of being famous once they leave are reduced because yeah. less people are in the armed forces. Anyway, That's I digress. Let's get into it. Uh, pretty famous one, Michael Caine. Yeah, well, yeah. Legend. Served in actual Korean War. Actually really? fought. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Nice. What a ledge. Uh, You're teaching so in case you don't know who Michael Caine is, absolute legend. Yeah. Iconic British actor. I won't do an impression. No. Because please, uh, that, please, will, please don't. that will get clipped. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to think. The most recognisable role he's been in for kind of younger people is Alfred in the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. You know, Batman's Definitely, Butler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was also in The Prestige. That's a good film. Uh, Is that in the Italian job? Is he not? Is yeah, yeah. So all the old films are like he was in Zulu. Uh, he played a character called Harry Palmer uh, in the film adaptions of some uh, famous spy novels, like yeah. The Chris File. They're a good film. Yeah. A bridge, this is the a, film studies come out. A Bridge Too Far. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, uh, Charlie Croker in Italian job. Yes. Again, I won't do an impression. Please The don't. temptation's there. Uh, yeah, so he, he actually got called up for his national service in the 50s uh, and he served a year and he hated it. Mm. So they said to him, you can either go to Korea and fight for a year and then you can leave or you can stay here in Britain and do another two years. So he was like, well, I'll go, I'll go to Korea then. Which <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good, wasn't it? He's like, fuck this off. I'll yeah. go to Korea, Cut my losses. fuck some shit up and then come back and go to Hollywood. Uh, Got to respect that. Uh, Christopher Lee Sir uh, Christopher Lee actually Sir Michael Caine as well so you will know Christopher Lee <laughs> Chris Lee used to be my fucking sergeant in, in my yeah, troop yeah. it's not, not him not him <laughs> so Christopher Lee is again a legend yeah uh, what did he put Sau- Saruman in Lord of the Rings Count Dooku in uh, Star okay, Wars uh, Scaramanga 
the Bond villain in The Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. Good Bond film. Good Bond film. Uh, Count Dracula in the Hammer <laughs> in the Hammer horror films, which are kind of like okay, cool. iconic British films. So he so again, like, if you like, kind of like under twenty. Well, no, if you're under forty, unless you're a Norse like me, you won't know who that is. Nah, maybe. In fact, no. To be fair, if you if you're a Lord of the Rings or a Star Wars fan, yeah. you'll definitely know who they are. Should be fine. Uh, anyway, he had quite an interesting war record. Go so he actually served in the Second World War. Yeah. He was an RAF intelligence officer okay. in North Africa. And who else was operating in North Africa in like the early 1940s? Yeah. Well, Our friends, the SAS. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that. Well, but surely, did they work together? Is there any record right. of so, that? So he has said, and... But this is this, as far as I'm concerned, it was never confirmed that he was at some points working with or within the SAS, mm. or, or I guess it was like the long range desert group at that time. I don't think it was formally no, it wasn't the SAS no, at that no, time. But as with the, David Sterling, those things are inherently secretive, aren't they? Mm. So I don't think there probably would be any evidence of no, that being true. the case. True, because it was almost it was, at the start. It was off record, wasn't it? Especially as he's kind of a global figure now. It's yeah, well, he, he any, died a few years ago. Doesn't make but. any sense? Um, but yeah, that's mad. I didn't, didn't realize that there was um, he had such a, a track record. Yeah, he was a prominent anti-fascist as well. Right. So before he actually joined the RAF, when Russia invaded Finland in like nineteen thirty-nine, I think mm. he actually went to Finland to try and fight for the Finnish army really? against. The, like, against Stalin, basically. So an active anti-fascist yeah. as well? I, I, again, that claim was later disproven, I think. Or like there's some, oh, there there's some, some discrepancy, discrepancy about it. I think he did go to Finland, but okay. I, do, I don't know how far he actually made it to the front line, basically. In holiday, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went yeah, to... I fucking tried to get the front line. That didn't work. <laughs> uh, sat down the pub to fucking tell So that, that's an interesting one. If you're Star Wars or Lord of the Rings fan, read into that a bit more. Uh, some more well-known faces for younger people. James Blunt, oh yeah, the musician. Yeah. Fa- was he? Where was he in that? I've, I've read that before. He... So the, the best interview I've heard him do on this is when he was the star in the reasonably priced car on Top Gear, because <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson asked him about it. Right. And it's, it's only like they're only like little four-minute soundbite interviews, aren't they? But like he covers all the basics there. So he was trained at Sandhurst, commissioned into the lifeguards. Uh, he served in a reconnaissance unit uh, under NATO during the Kosovo War in 1999. Mm-hmm. So technically, he did see some action, but it was more of a peacekeeping. I'm certain he was in something with Bear Grylls, not the SAS, but he was. That it was either he was on the same like officer course as Bear Grylls was before Bear Grylls decided not to do it. Or they did something like they went to school together. I remember reading in Bear Grylls' um, autobiography that there was a massive connection with James Blunt. Maybe I'm Maybe. making that up. Well, they're both, they're both posh toffs. For want of a better phrase. They're exactly. lovable posh toffs, but they are posh. Yeah. Fa- famous for getting angry when they wouldn't let him keep his guitar on the inside of his reconnaissance vehicle when Wasn't he was it? stationed in Kosovo. Yes, I remember hearing yeah. about that. Yeah. Was that a tank? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it was like, a, I don't know, like a... Armoured personnel carrier or something. I don't yeah. think he was actually I remember, like a proper tank. I remember like, him saying in that interview. For, for the sake of a dit, I think he yeah, called it a tank. Yeah. But well, that makes sense. I've done that a few times. 
But yeah, I think he was fuming because they wouldn't let him keep inside. That's so mental. Imagine, yeah. imagine being on a reconnaissance mission and some bloke's fucking playing the guitar. <laughs> some hat. Like, yeah, cheers, some mate. stereotypical like hippie hat. Yeah. He's like privately educated. Officer as well. Swanning around a war zone with a fucking acoustic <laughs> guitar. <laughs> fucking. Like mate, John Lennon. Fuck that off. Officer would be the fastest to get ostracised <laughs> yeah. in the fucking world, mate. Especially in a reconnaissance unit. Like, want to be sneaky beaky and fucking like quiet. And he's there playing fucking <laughs> three wise men at the top of a hill. <laughs> Fuck off. What banger that is, boy. Yeah. But this is, this is why I love James Bunt, right? Because he's so nonchalant about the fact he is a hat. <laughs> yeah. But like, because he's so self-aware, you can't then hate him for being yeah, a hat. Yeah, he's also a good musician, so you've got to, got to love him. Yeah, yeah, so a big kudos to James Bunt <laughs> for being a hat. Uh, and then finally, Kelly Holmes. Oh yeah, obviously yeah. Olympic gold medalist. Smashed it. Yeah. Smashed it at the Athens Olympics in 2004 yeah. or whatever. So she was originally in the women's Royal Army Corps, which I don't think exists anymore. No, it won't. Couldn't because have. I think that's the Couldn't only have a women's name. I know oh, that's the only unit that women could serve in, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. mad. Uh, she was also a British Army judo champion. Mad. She's just a fucking athlete. Do you know what I mean? Like, one of them people who can just turn their hand to anything. Yeah, so I think she was in the Women's Royal Army Corps, and then as soon as that got chinned off and they went to regular units, she trained, she retrained as a PTI. Oh, fucking yeah. bullshit, she did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then she fucked the army off, and then she went and cleaned up at Athens 2004, so... Yeah. Probably still needed that job, mate. Olympians get paid to fuck all. So, uh, fair play to Kelly Holmes. Can't take anything away from that. Love that. Nice. So that's the end of my list. Yes. We've now reached... The tasty part yeah. of the podcast. Hold before we go through through that though. Um, I want to touch on something that you'll be happy to touch on. <laughs> this is this is you know what I like touching. <laughs> this is the Walter Mitty. Oh right, yeah. yeah. Oh uh, so yes, of course. This is my segment. So um, right, so actually, being the cynic that I am, yeah. I'm amazed that I didn't put this into my prep. Yeah, I do, am as well. We do need to cover. The I was Walter, waiting for the it. Walter Mitty in the room. Yeah, I was waiting. Certain individuals. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it for, for it to come up on your prep, uh, but I had, had it noted down just in case. Um, so yeah, if you don't know what a Walter Mitty is, it's essentially someone who claims um, service and hasn't served, or potentially claims um, different service to what they have done. So yeah, so there are different levels to being a Walter Mitty, I guess. Yeah. Aren't so there? an example would be um, someone who's in the army claims to be in the special forces, or you know around. Around that kind of thing, that kind of vibe. Um, if you're if you're in the know, you would know that they're chatting shit. If you're a civvy and they're just down the pub spinning dits, then you'd probably not know it, and you'd probably think, "Oh fucking hell, what a legend!" And that's what they're looking for. Is is essentially the, the long and short of it. Um, but yeah, it, it again, like you said, they're a spectrum, and they're on the spectrum. And um, either either they're a civilian and just completely have done nothing in their in their life. Like regards to the military and claims have, have done and they usually make pretty outlandish claims as well you're not going to like impersonate being in the services and make, and be like oh yeah I spent four years in the logistics corps and didn't do anything yeah. you're going to go okay I won a military cross in Afghanistan yeah if you're going to do it you're going to double down aren't you you're exactly going to go to that. the nth degree like you're going yeah. to say you won like a military cross in in Hellmand or whatever yeah and you? all the fucking interviews you would have seen on, um, on YouTube you can go and type them in they're quite funny uh, where a service member, you know, so the Walter Mitty in question will go up to this serving person thinking they're a civvy or thinking they're none the wiser uh, and spin them their, their well-prepared story about how 
how good their service was or whatever. Um, and that that veteran will, the real veteran, will proceed to tear them a new one, which is hilarious to watch. Um, and also, yeah, they rely on just being able to talk to civilians, essentially. So like, I would never, as a civilian, I would never dream of doing this. Bizarre. Like, you've got to have a lot of bottle, especially if you're a civilian posing as someone uh, yeah, in definitely. the military. I guess if you're already in the military, you have a slight air of credibility, but then again... You also have an edge, because you kind of will know the lingo, you'll know yeah, so you can units are and so you can definitely make it more plausible to civilians yeah but it's you get found out by people who are in the know who are Just also in the military the only people that will find you out in that case probably are the people who are in that unit you're claiming to be yeah. in so if you you know if you get unlucky enough but um yeah the the civvies who do it it's quite funny because they'll be like same whatever they're saying and then the the veteran will be like oh yeah so you know where where's that unit based and then they'll be like oh yeah I was in I was in 8 9 commando it's like right Right, so we we had a prominent. So, so you weren't we? So we have first-hand experience of this. Yeah, don't we? We do. So at, we, when you were actually in, we, yeah, we, we, we're gonna go there. So when you were in the, we weren't name names. When you were in the core, yeah, you hosted like yeah. a house party on yeah. one of your leaves, didn't you? And Let's go for a bit. some someone someone turned up. He wasn't invited. Says a lot about his character as a Walter Mitty. Shock. Uh, uh, then proceeded. To start spinning ditch to you about how he was in the core. Yeah. Not, but he didn't know. Did he know you were in the yeah. core? He no, did. Oh, really? He did. He did so that, he fully. That was, a, that was a, a an inference. That was a conversation. You right. Know, like a common yeah, ground. yeah. 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 So I I was in the core at this point. Uh, again, had a party and this guy, you know, in, you know, and you fucking couple of beers deep and you start spinning ditch. And, and maybe other nefarious substances. Yeah. Like, he, he in in his case, um, and essentially would he would be like, all right, you know trying to chat to me on common ground about how, what the units are like, what deployments are like, all that sort of, you know, standard chat. And I was like, the stuff he was saying was kind of on point, like 80% there, but there was a little bit missing. And also the fact that, I mean, this, is, this isn't always true, but it should, certainly should be, and it normally is, certainly with Marines, is that you kind of have to pry to get to know what they did and to get to know stuff. He was far too willing to gob off about it essentially which which was a red flag i then did some digging via <laughs> yeah. instagram so, yeah so if it, so the night happened or whatever like yeah. we were kind of we were pissed so we didn't dig too much into it on the actual night yeah. there was just a few few red flags few red flags arose and a few words were said but uh following that we did some digging on instagram didn't yeah. we and well go on yeah so i did some digging on instagram and uh this is someone who posts pretty much everything, you know, important in their life, like everyone does. Um, and so I scroll right to the bottom, right, of their Instagram. And I see, okay, I see a photo of him in foundation with his Lumitab on. Lumitab is like a, a luminous bit of mind tape you have to wear in the first two weeks of training. So I'm like, okay, cool. He was in the first, week, first two weeks of training. Next couple of photos up. There's one of him just in the in the accommodation. It's like, okay, cool. That was like four weeks later. Um, there's then another photo at about week 15 so you have a, you have a troop fart in week 15 um, and you get an individual photo he posted that I was like okay hey, cool week 15 so he posted his initial photo he posted his week 15 photo that person is 100% going to post when they get the green lid yeah there's no question right I posted it loads of people post it it's the fucking thing you're there for right I, sc- I scroll up there's nothing 
So no. there's no post after that week 15 photo that I could find of him anywhere near the commando phase, do, passing, passing phase two, getting into King Squad. There was no photo of him with his green lid on. Even since then, having served six months away, he served before he got medically discharged, um, was the story. Uh, there was no photo of any of that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh, that was a massive red flag. And I was like, hmm. So you've posted three photos. And in, it, it in just fucking call. dried up like a like a mirage in the desert, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they're all from sub-week 15. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was quite a funny personal personal one that we, we kind of know of. It's just uh, the front of it, though, because we don't really know this guy. No. It's like friends of friends, isn't it, really? He's turned up to your fucking little... Soiree. Soiree, yeah. which wasn't anything mental either, so no. it was a weird vibe in of itself, because it's like, we know everyone there, and then there's just him. Yeah, there was like a couple of... You know, they brought their entourage, he's, didn't they? He's caught on to the fact that you're in the core. Yeah. And instead of thinking... Oh, I'm going to steer clear of this. Instead of thinking, oh, I'll be honest and say, oh, I was in training or whatever, and then I got medically discharged, or thinking, I definitely won't pretend I was in the core, knowing full well that I haven't been. What he's decided to do yeah. is he's gone, oh, that's just cool, yeah. I'll also pretend I'm in the core to yeah. this stranger that I don't know in the party that I'm not invited to. So also, what I'd say is, under the influence, you know, you could maybe let it off. Not let it off, but like, you, you could say, okay... Things get blown out of proportion. People's tell people tell you things that that maybe aren't true. Okay, cool. I've seen him on multiple other occasions, however. Yeah. And he's also doubled down on this story. So like, it's not like it's a yeah. So it's a one off. So we've got another close mate <laughs> who's in the call. Yeah. Who he's done exactly the same. He's literally like word for word, like verbatim, spun the same yeah story to at a different social occasion we weren't at. Yeah, this is another. <laughs> this is another so thing. He's, that, he's, a, he's a repeat offender. That exact night that we were talking about, he was there. Um, our mutual friend, who's is actually in the call, he was there the second time it happened. Right, so, and he was. We were in like a, a square. So it was me and me and Eddie, our friend who's in the call. Oh uh, yeah, we're all on the. We're said, all. We're said all. Bloke. Like we're all. Like in the know now. Yeah, this point, yeah aren't we, we? We've, we've, I remember we've this. We've convened. And yeah, we know oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a helmet. So, we know, so, so now we're just fishing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just fucking having him on. I'd forgotten <laughs> so, about this. So that, our mate was like, "Oh yeah, so um, so how was you? How was you thirty mile? I, I mean that he was like, 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 oh, that eighty pound burger gets heavy, doesn't it? <laughs> or something like that. He obviously carried thirty pounds in the um. In the 30 mile and he was like, yeah, fucking hell. Hang out, that yeah. was. How long did yours take? Yeah, 10 hours, yeah, same, mate. Fucking like... And then up me going... It's completely ridiculous. Up me, oh, I could never do what you lads do in the core. Like, fucking hats <laughs> off to you, mate. Feeding his yeah, ears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking love it. Um, but yeah, that was hilarious. I'm glad we brought that up. Also, I want to say, if you've watched, um, and you'll know what, what I'm talking about as soon as I say it, the SS Who Dares Wins, if you watch that, this is just an honourable mention. I already know. I already know what you're gonna say. Um, I think it's like halfway through one of the seasons, and uh, Ant Middleton and is it Ollie Ollerton? Yeah, two two of the staff anyway. Sit down with this bloke because you know they bring him in and they they sit him down, interview him about their past, why they're there, that kind of thing. They've been on Facebook doing some digging, and same kind of thing really. Uh, this guy had told people told Facebook that he'd been in the Paras. He put it on his CV as well. Put it on his that CV. That he sent into the show. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, he didn't. 
No, they found his CV they, on Facebook. They found his CV on, on Facebook, that's it. So he put it on his CV that he was a power of like a couple of years. Uh, and then they ask him. And, and also, so They pull him in for one of these grillings, don't they? Yeah. That they do for the purpose of the show, where it's like one on. It's like an interrogation setup, but it's kind of basically to get a bit more backstory on the they're, actual they're contestants. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and he'd been asked, as they all were asked at the start of the show, anyone got military experience? He'd not put his hand up. So at that point, he's like, okay, cool. I, I'm, you know, no one's got it. Sweet. And then they've been on online. They're like, okay, why the fuck is he saying he's got military experience there and not saying it when he's when he's asked face to face? Then they ask him in the interview, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, we. They literally go, she go, we've been doing some uh, some digging on Facebook. You've got quite an interesting story, haven't you? You've got quite, you know. And they they turn the laptop round, and it's his Facebook post with with him claiming to be in the Paris and he's like he's like proper shook and he's like fuck what to do aren't they like yeah immediately his face drops yeah and I, mean, I can't remember the exact wording but it's a bit like it's it's, it's Billy Billingham isn't it actually he was yes. he was a para yeah. and like did a lot of shit in the Paris as well yeah and, Ant and it's Ant Middleton so it. Ant Middleton is kind of like it, I'd, I'd say it's bad cop, bad cop, isn't it, really? It's hilarious. So he, he's leading it and he's going, oh, like, tell us a bit, tell us about your time in, just, in the Just paras. like what you were doing to that bloke, by the way, like, pre, like proper leading him to, yeah. to fall, leading him to water. And then Billy Billingham chips in and he's like, you're in the brotherhood, like, he goes to shake his hand and this bloke, he's like, fucking sweating profusely yeah. at this point. And you can see, <laughs> you can see Ant Wilson on his chair, like, proper shaking. Yeah, like, he's shaking. To, he's ready to, he goes, like, launch himself. And he goes, like, why don't you tell us you're in the Paris? And he'll go, uh, uh, well, actually, he's not a Geordie, and he's like, oh, well, actually, a uh, drill instructor. Uh, it, 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 it's a lie. And he, I fucking knew it! I fucking knew it! You fucking cunts! And he's fucking, it honestly, fucking he's, like, he's like the best, like, two minutes of television yeah. ever. It, just search on YouTube, SAS Who Dares Wins, Walter Mitty. It will come straight up. Yeah, and it's fucking worth the two minutes as well. Because you just know it's coming, it's and it just brilliant. makes it all the better. Yeah, and you'll see Matt Middleton vibrating in his, in his chair. Yeah, I'm amazed he didn't fucking leather him, to be honest, because he's seen him. He's definitely close. Uh, anyway, that's that's a long, uh, unplanned segment, which, which I, th- I feel... And I'm glad we covered that, actually. Actually, oh, there's a there's one final there's one final Walter Mitty hat that yeah. you need to cover. And this is an example of someone who is in the military, right. but he's overselling themselves. Right. Okay. And they're, they're a prominent... What I would term kind of military <laughs> military fitness influencer. We won't name names, yeah. but I you should can say use... as well. My um, my source for this, like, this isn't one hundred percent true, but my source for this is extremely reliable. Right, so yeah, so prominent name. This in... is a prominent name. If you're in that circle, you will know who it is. And also, it's not. <laughs> uh, I'm not just saying this for his. <laughs> he's over exaggeration. He's not popular for what he does in the military anyway. Yeah, I would say because that's he true. kind of Futurism. he kind of makes light of it, doesn't he? Really, for his own personal gain. Yeah, uh, he, he kind of yeah glorifies it, really, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's like a Hollywood soldier, and again and again makes out that he's done things that he hasn't. Yeah, so he ha- he may, and again, this isn't one hundred percent confirmed, but he may or may not have claimed that he'd done certain tours of duty that he hadn't been on. Yes, uh, and he could have been on them. Again, have. we don't know, and if he has, um, then and he has apologies. Fair play, but yeah, from my source, he hasn't. Anyway, you'll know probably who we're talking about if you are in that sphere. But anyway, um, we won't name names because that could 
that could we could fall foul of some stuff. Anyway, yeah. uh, alternatively, <laughs> find us out on a night out when I'm half cut, and I'll just tell you. So. Yeah, exactly. And I'll call him a hat. <laughs> uh, so yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so time for war movies. Eddie been waiting waiting for this the entire episode. So do you want to go first? We need to alternate. Yeah, so I don't know yeah, what you want to do. We might have some common ground here. We haven't seen each other's list, so... Yeah, this is... This is we're going in raw. My favourite. <laughs> uh, so I'll start at five, and then I think we should go down to one. Okay, cool. You've got it in order. I like it. So, starting off with five, it's, a, it's the newest one on the list for mm. me. It came out last year, All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. You may yeah. have seen it advertised on Netflix. Netflix it? Yeah, so it's a... It's good. It's the third screen adaption of a novel written by... A German World War One veteran, mm. and it's from the perspective of a German soldier in the trenches in yeah. World War One, and it's fucking horrible. Really interesting as well because you don't often see that perspective. No, so yeah, so so for British audiences, it's different because mm. you don't normally get films from the perspective of the enemy. Yeah. Also, really well made, mm. like cinematography wise, it's a really visceral film. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. Like it's grim. I can it's, see what it's, it's like. It's a it's a an A team. Yeah, like, well, it's also it's one of them you have to kind of ready yourself up to watch, isn't it? I don't, yeah, you and even right even then, like, it's not like it's not nice viewing. Like I know it's on my top five war films, but like it's 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 a powerful film. Yeah, it's top five for that reason, bro. Not, it's not like yeah, viewing pedigree. It's, it's like yeah, you you don't watch it if you just want like a bit of like hollywood action yeah. basically like it's It'd quite ha- it's very harrowing but yeah. it is an important film to watch yeah because it kind of it's the ultimate like anti-war film cool right good. your number five okay my number five is jarhead no i oh, see i thought this would be on your list yeah it's, so this again right see this nearly made my list it's not an amazing film it's what number five it's not an amazing film it's not a lot happens right they're basically mm. just fucking doing nothing the entire time um but the reason it's in my list is because it was pretty instrumental in my uh i would say like you know my early research into ha- what the fucking military is like this that this initial was a, this was a seminal film for you yeah i remember it because yeah. you got me onto it exactly so th- that initial period of the drill instructor howling it or hounding him it's obviously jake gyllenhaal massively now well-renowned actor um and so that little period of the training side of things really got me interested i think in in how that kind of person, that kind of or the marine in the in that case, is built up and it you know is is sort of selected. So it's set in the first Gulf War, right? Mm-hmm. Which notoriously not a lot fucking happened. No, so but it I think, illustrates that. But I think that's why the film is so good because it kind of paints a picture of like the monotony of right. soldiering. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's exactly. not all it's not all action, is it? Well, from what I've heard, it's like ninety ten, like ninety percent sitting around reading, you know. 10% scrapping so that is a pretty accurate representation and they do a lot of like stinking training runs in the desert which you would have been definitely taken on as like stocking fillers and stuff so it's um yeah it's a good one that, that's my number five nice that's a good shout mm. that would I'd put that in mind actually number four The Hurt Locker nice yeah I haven't got good that. film nice. won six Oscars so it's critically acclaimed including best picture uh Catherine Bigelow directed I think who also really directed Zero Dark Thirty, you know, the hunt for mm. Bin Laden. That's a good one as well, I haven't got that. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit fucking long though, in fairness. It's not really a war film either, it's all about uh, it's all about spooks, isn't it? Oh, that's it's true. like CIA. That's true, yeah. Hurt Locker, great film. Again, very visceral, more of an anti-war film than anything. None yeah. of my films are really very jingoistic. 
They're all fair enough. They Mine, all paint warring like a Bud Light. Uh, Minor difference. Uh, yeah. It is a very good film, though. It is good. I haven't watched that for a while, actually. It's actually. on. It's on on with player at the moment. Is it? Yeah, okay, yeah. I might have to get that going. Um, that's really good. That's a, a good one. Um, yeah, Jeremy Renner. I'm my number four. Go on. Is Black Hawk Down. Oh yeah, see again, good film. Very good film. Um, so, and that I is also that's while. about a conflict that I don't think there is another war film about. Um. It's the it's the it's the US intervention in Somalia in like yeah, 1993, isn't, isn't it? No, not that I can think of. Because anyway. it wasn't really like a war. It was just <clears throat> no, but they've made a fantastic film out of it. I know it's um, class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. again, very harrowing. Yeah, I won't spoil anything because obviously it's quite obvious from the title if you were to explain any of it what's going what's going on. But if you haven't watched it, fucking definitely give that a go because that's one of the, in my opinion, one of the top ones. Like that's so well made for the especially for the. The time period in which it was released, it, well, I don't know when it was. Early noughties, I think. Yeah, it wasn't recent. So, for the I can't think who directed it though. I'm not sure, but it's um. But yeah, good, it's really good well film. made. Again, there you go. Again, yeah, t- title gives it away a bit. Yeah, but, uh, it doesn't. Three. It doesn't go that well. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> number three, the my only World War Two film, surprisingly, okay. Dunkirk. Nice. Yeah. The Christopher Nolan 2017 masterpiece. Mm. Uh, very good again from a nausea film studies perspective very well made film mm. as you'd expect from Christopher Nolan well yeah of exactly Inception and uh, <laughs> pretty decent little list uh, yeah, dark, dark Knight trilogy fame it's weird right because the suspense isn't really built through any of the acting in the film right it's more through the music and the cinematography because like, there's yeah. those really long shots of just like the beach yeah, full of soldiers, isn't it? That's true, actually. I, yeah, I haven't watched it's that. It's like how sound builds suspense in film. It's a very good film no, if you've not seen it. Yeah, Dun- Again, Dunkirk. on iPlayer at the moment. Nice. So get around giving, that. Giving him some sources, I like it, I love this. Um, okay, I'm on number three. Yeah, go. Um, I'm just ordering them now in my head. Because I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> you've re- done I'm, no prep. No, no, no. no, 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 no. I, did, I did put them in order, but I'm rethinking it. Oh, okay, um, I like this. It's kind yeah, of ad hoc. Ad hoc. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Saving Private Ryan ah, for see, this one. I deliberately omitted this from my list. Right. Because I thought that most people would include it. Because it's yeah. like, it's it's the poster boy of war films, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. it's like, Everyone would have seen this film. But it's very well made. And it's uh, quite a, again, harrowing account of um, World War II. Which is, it obviously... There's not, there's nowhere near ever going to be enough films about about that because it's, it's fucking mental what those what those men did in that fucking time. So, uh, yeah, Saving Private Ryan, you've probably seen it, so I won't go into too much. Yeah, you've probably seen it, and if you haven't seen it, but you can't be asked to watch the full film, just YouTube the Omaha Beach opening scene. Oh yeah, because that yeah, sets the tone for the entire movie, doesn't it? Definitely, and that's probably the only one you need to see. It also just riffing off that slightly. Steven Spielberg directed mm. Saving Private Ryan. One of my honourable mentions, but didn't make the list because it's not a film, is the miniseries Band of Brothers. Oh yeah, Fucking that him and movie. that he was executive producer of with Tom Hanks, who was also in because mm. they're both worn noses basically. That's a brilliant series. That is me- so. Like, if if we were including miniseries, that would be my number one. Yeah, like, I might have to rewatch that. Actually. It's fucking class. It's honestly like, the best. Like the best. Like, oh, it's just so good. I can't even articulate. It's unbelievable. So yeah, again, it follows the story of like Easy Company of 
the 101st Airborne mm-hmm. in World War Two from their basic training all the way through D-Day to the end of the war, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just so well told. I won't, I won't put quite, give any more. Yeah, just people, watch it. Less people would have seen that, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely go and give that a watch. That's really good. Go on, your number two. Uh, yes. So, my top two now are Vietnam War films. Okay. So I Different have a bit to of, mine. I have a bit of a, pon- good, this, I have a bit of a penchant for Vietnam War films. This is quite good because we didn't prep this together and we had none of the same mentions. This is good. This is great. I like this. Go on. Yeah, so... Anyone that knows me will know that I'm all for the decline of the United States of America. So naturally, I am inclined to like Vietnam War films that paint the US in a negative light. That that might happen, please. <laughs> so my number two is Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick masterpiece. Fantastic film. So Great. the plot follows a US Marine, Private Joker, mm. from training through to his deployment in Vietnam. Yeah, very much an anti-war film. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so, a few little bits of trivia for you for this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the the phrase "me so horny, me love you long time." Yeah. That, that gets yeah, yeah, spouted yeah, about yeah, everything. Yeah. That that is a that is an actual line from the film. Yeah, is it? Did it originate there? Surely yeah, so it originated from that film. That. Yeah, okay, cool. So right. if you anyone hear that on a night out or when you're pissed or whatever, that where, came, where are you that, going? Yeah, yeah well, in Bangkok. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's got a fucking mint soundtrack. It has, yes. Really good soundtrack. Uh, and a good understory about Protopile. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm glad, I love that you actually remember his name as well. He's a fucking head case, isn't he? Yeah. Again, we won't give anything away, but he doesn't end well for Private Pod. It doesn't. No, it doesn't start very well either, really. <laughs> and, and it, yeah, in fact, it just, just doesn't really go very well. But military's not for some people. Yeah, and uh, that's what that, pa- that paints, which is good. But the other piece of trivia as well is Sergeant, uh, what's his name? Harmon, you know, the drill instructor in yeah. the film. He was actually a US Marine Corps drill instructor, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a nice little, that's just a nice little dit, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Because like it's like he's been there, he's done it. And now he's, he's, he's got the t-shirt and now he's he's, he's doing it on screen. He's it accurately, which is cool. Um, yeah, so you're number two. My number two, American Sniper. Yes. So quite see, a modern one. Probably see, people would have seen it. See, this is quite a controversial film. Yeah. It got a lot of flack, didn't it? Yeah, I thought it was for being, awesome. For being though. a bit jingoistic. Because yeah. it does bang the drum a bit. I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'm a fan of it. I think it was a brilliant film. It's Chris Kyle, uh, the American Sniper, funnily enough. Um but it essentially follows him going through his various tours of duty with his mental kill streak, um, and then it follows all the way to the the shit end for him, really. But again, I won't ruin it. But um, yeah, it won't, won't ruin it. But the most powerful part of that film is the the, the end slide text yes. at the very end. Yeah, and also he um, that, so what we've been talking about today with the veteran stuff. Is quite pertinent with how oh, that film ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, well, same with same with Jarhead actually. That's true because yeah. that film ends with him ultimately being back in Civvy Street, unfulfilled and lost. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. Actually, I, I forgot about the ending of that. Um, yeah, so again, amazing film and one that follows a really prolific uh, sniper through through the. That is a good film. Did Clint Eastwood direct that? I, I feel so. I feel like he did, yeah. and he's very kind of like. Republican, pro-American, yeah, so I think that's why it got a lot of flack. Because yeah. you're always gonna get flack, though, aren't you? Especially with war films, fucking. Hell. I spent. I especially think that war films based in the more recent war on terrors are more controversial as well. 
given that the wars themselves were so controversial. Well, yeah, they're just more recent as well. Yeah, yeah so it's more fresh in the memory. Yeah. So, my number one. My number you. one, it's crunch time. This is arguably one of the best films ever made, let alone best war film. Okay. Apocalypse Now. <laughs> the Francis Ford Coppola fucking masterpiece. <laughs> that is a very good film, I'll give you that. So the actual film itself is class, yeah. and it's on iPlayer again. I watched it yesterday. I urge you to, I urge you to go and have a look at it. But the reason why this is number one is because it was fucking carnage on screen and off screen. Oh, really? like, do you know about this? No. So I, so I did a film study day. All right, I actually did like, I did my like project, so to speak. Or what would you call it? Like uh, assignment. My assignment yeah. on Apocalypse Now. So I'm a bit of a nose. Yeah. Uh, right. So he uh, started badly and it got worse. Effectively, the production of this film. So Martin Sheen, who was uh, Captain Willard, was like mm. the main protagonist of the film. He wasn't even first choice for the role. Harvey Keitel was. He quit two weeks into shooting. They flew Martin Sheen out, and then halfway through filming, he had a heart attack. Fuck it out. Right. That's mad. So that's that's not great yeah. when you main. You main, you main characters fucking in hospital. Well, you back up main character as well. Yeah. Marlon Brando, obviously of Godfather fame, esteemed Hollywood actor, took this role towards the end of his career, mm. should we say. Uh, he turned up fat and overweight, uh, and then one day into the shooting, he shaved off all of his hair. Right. Uh, he then refused to be on screen unless he was only shot in shadow and he could say what he wanted. Just what you want when you're dressed in a film. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Exactly what you want. The only silver lining to that is Francis Ford Coppola himself didn't really have a script and was also making up the dialogue. Fucking hell, that's mad. Yeah. It gets worse, don't worry. Uh, there was a typhoon that ripped through the set in the Philippines, which is where they Fucking filmed it. Hell. So production was halted for ages because all the sets were destroyed mm. and whatnot. So all the crew basically just turned to drinking drugs. What, and it was just filmed through? They're all just smackheads, basically. That's mad. So, and, and also a lot of the actors on screen were also like experimenting with like LSD and stuff during filming so the surfer character I forgot his name but uh, he's kind of like one of the side parts in it uh, he plays the role of like a soldier who back in Sibby Street was like an esteemed Californian surfer apparently in the film he's like an acid head Mm. but actually on set as well he was tripping balls on LSD brilliant getting characters that is fucking method <laughs> acting in it a little branch off from that um, are you aware of the statistic around yes. heroin use and US in Vietnam yeah yeah isn't like, like 95% yeah. or something um, so this is completely fucking unrelated but it's something I was watching with Johan Harari have you heard of this guy yeah um, the guy who wrote uh, Sapiens Yes, yeah, he wrote Sapiens, he wrote um, Stolen Focus, which is also a good book. Um, anyway, he was like, so a lot of people think, this is completely random, but anyway, a lot, a lot of people think that heroin use and generally drug ad- addiction is a chemical hook thing. So they think, right, anyone who's going to be exposed to these chemical hooks has no choice and they're just going to be addicted forever. He argues that it's a situational thing, more so. So... And the reason he says this is 95% of US forces were on, with, were on yeah. heroin for the duration of the war. And the US government were like, fucking hell, when we finish this war, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of fucking heroin, heroin addicts you know, on our, on our streets. And obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, reason being, because they had 
a different now different environment. So they were now at home. They were now no stress, all this kind of thing. And now they didn't didn't need the chemical. That's amazing. Thing. It's like yeah. a coping mechanism almost for while they were over there. Yeah. So, but you would think from conventional wisdom, right? They've had heroin. They're going all going to be fucked. But yeah. not the case. To be fair, drug use is a theme that is explored within Apocalypse now. So if you're interested in that, then watch it. Yeah. Uh, are we not finished though? Uh, it gets worse. So they filmed the film in the Philippines, like I said, despite it being set in Vietnam. There's quite a lot of big cats in the Philippines, I'm told. <laughs> beat tigers. But they had quite a, quite a lot of issues with tigers getting on set. Wild tigers. And, use them. and also, the dictator of the Philippines at the time kept stealing their choppers for his own military. That is hilarious. <laughs> That's brilliant. So they're obviously like knocking about in Hueys and that, yeah. which is like the iconic like helicopter of the Vietnam yeah. War and he's just fucking nabbing them all for his own and they're Fili- filming it Filipino army <laughs> yeah, yeah he's commandeered it so that's my number one again go and watch if you're in Oz your number one is Lone Survivor nice right. so you were talking might, about this yesterday yes, weren't we as you might know uh, for a couple of reasons okay the main one being <laughs> so I used to use this this came out kind of in a good time for me <clears throat> so when I was in training when I had a big exercise coming up, I had to like get into soldier mode. Mm. Um, it took me a bit of effort to get, you know, to be a really competent enough soldier to get through these exercises. Anyway, I need to be in the right headspace. The night before, I'd watch Lone Survivor because of the demonstration of insane fucking or bravery, you know, competence, all these kind of things. So I would watch Lone Survivor the night before most exercises. Um, and it, it kind of helped me help me through. So, for, for anyone not in the know, this is a mad true story. Yes. About is he a Navy SEAL? Navy SEAL. This that is basically gets st- stranded on his own. Yeah. In so the what middle happens, of book fuck nowhere in Afghanistan, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so they get given a mission. I won't try and ruin it, but they get given a mission, uh, which is essentially there's one bad guy in this town. Go hit, go hit him up. Uh, get some recce and then kill him if you can. Um, they actually find out there's about fucking a thousand uh, Taliban in that in that town. They're now stuck. Their comms go down, um, and they're now basically retreating. There's four of them, and there's like an entire militia of Taliban after. Yeah, them. it goes tits up basically, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then essentially the four become one. So the three of the lads well, die, and he's barely one. Yeah, he's like he's like a point five. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Um, and so he he's the lone survivor, as the name suggests. Also. A little uh, bit of trivia for you. So, um, Marcus Luttrell, which is the um, the lone, the real lone survivor, the protagonist name, yeah. actually is featured in the film a fair bit. So he was on set. Is um, he? Is he a cameo? Yeah. Did you not? No, know? I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. So I haven't seen it for a while. There's a couple of times. There's, there's a time when they're sat around the the table doing the the planning, and he's like in the corner. And then there's another time when they're like loading weapons and he's in the play, in the in the oh, place as well. Right. So you you see him; he's a fucking huge unit. Yeah, that's really um, And yeah, so he's in it. I think there was the reason was they really wanted to nail it. So Mark is it Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. <clears throat> so Mark Wahlberg was in it. Famous, he, famous for being a hat. Yeah, and he was like, I really want to get this right because he'd read the book and he was like, this is a fucking mental story. If I'm gonna star in it, I want to get this right. So he had Marcus Luttrell. I think, train him, essentially, as a Navy SEAL for a couple of months. So he was 
really on point. Yeah, so he's and not then, method acting, basically. Yeah, and then he did it. And then Marcus Luttrell was on set to make sure that this film was actually going really well. And, in my opinion, it's one of the best, one of the best made. It is good. I like the, the narrative. films. The narrative the device they use at the end, which uh, American Sniper also uses. Because when they're rolling the credits, they use the real pictures of the yes. real men, don't they? Yeah. Which makes it really powerful at the end. Yeah, and at the start, they use <coughs> real footage of... Navy SEAL training as well. Which yeah. Is cool. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. But so, it's the photos at the end that really get you. Oh no. Because yeah. it like really brings it home. This actually happened. Yeah, the fact it's a real story is is, is another reason why it's uh it's, it's in there for me at number one. But it's quality, yeah. brilliant. They, I love that we had no overlap there. I know that's we, mad. Isn't we've it? basically covered all the best. Yeah. The ten best war films ever. So you're welcome. Because all the ones that I emitted from my list were basically in your list. Yeah. But like they, they equally could have vice versa, they could have been in. You know, That's there wasn't nice. really much between them. So yeah. I love that. So uh, Great. Happy just, days. That proves how good we are. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, by the way, because now you've got 10 fucking mint war films to watch. Um, anyway. I was going to say, don't say that we never give you any exactly. anything back. Like we've given you 10 absolute... And ban- we've given you 11, because we gave you Band of Brothers yeah, as well. Yeah, hours and hours of wasting your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did as a kid. And I didn't um, turn out so bad. Yeah. But, are we going to go through reasons to be cheerful? Yes. Or the so singular reason to be cheerful. Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah, uh, we'll kind of, I'll go through it and you can comment on it. Um, so this weekend, as this is being filmed, this last weekend was the King's Coronation. Um, you'll all have seen it on, on TV, I'd imagine. But the one point of the coronation that I want to bring to light was the Royal Salute, which was fucking amazing. And more broadly... The ability of the the British Armed Forces to be ultra professional on that day. So like, there's four thousand troops, okay, and there's one garrison sergeant major from the guards commanding the four thousand troops. That's mad. So bear in mind, they probably can't hear his commands because it's no. mega loud, loads of people. So I think what had to happen from look from looking at it is they had to have like a passing on of orders system. Yeah. Until it got to the last round. You're delegated. And down, then they it? stepped off. And even then, no one was out of step. Everyone steps off at exactly the same moment, exactly the right moment. Just unbelievable. Anyway, that's not what we were, what we were going on about. The the point when they stopped in the um, Buckingham Palace Garden. Yeah, so they did. So they did. For anyone that didn't see it, if you're living under a rock or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not a massive. Moment. I imagine most people saw it. I'm not a massive royalist, but I just watched it for the fact that it's such a large historical event. Yeah. Uh, so he did the coronation ceremony in Westminster Abbey, which is like one and a half miles away from Buckingham Palace or whatever. Well, that's the route that they took anyway. So yeah. they do the ceremony. They all march back, you know, in the massive, you know, the armed forces march, King gets his coach, back to Buckingham Palace. They all rendezvous in the mm. gardens at the back and they do this yeah. royal salute. Which is quite cool as well because like being at that, being a part of that and getting to go into the, the gardens at Buckingham Palace would be insane. Which is cool in itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and then the, the king came out and they issued a, the most British royal salute ever. So it was like a an in-time in hip-hip hooray, essentially, wasn't it? Like three cheers. Yeah, what was it? Like, it was like hats off, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, took hats off. It, yeah, so they took their hats off, took the headdress off, and then that was their cue to kind of get ready for this. And then the drill instructor counted them in, or the, the sergeant major counted them in, to a, a three cheers essentially, which is like the most British thing ever. It's brilliant, and um, you get four thousand troops 
the top belting. of their lungs yeah. bellowing out three cheers which was fucking awesome and so I imagine obviously it was great on TV I imagine if, if you were there it would have just been class so. yeah, yeah I mean even if you're not into that kind of thing just seeing that as a spectacle mm. it's just powerful isn't it no exactly and there you go that's our reason in the pissing rain cheerful. as well yeah, yeah uh, shout, showing this shout out to the armed forces as well that were involved in that because they were there from basically like the middle of the night yeah they were stood in the pissing rain for hours in the cold uh, and they smashed it yeah one fainted as well sort of marching in front that, of saw that video yeah I mean marching in front of like the world's press yeah like pressure's on isn't it really oh, yeah. you know I mean? and uh, by the way the marines absolutely showed up so <laughs> I, saw I saw that I saw, t- I saw that tiktok that you showed yeah, me the army not painting them <laughs> painting themselves in the best light with their I marching I saw it t- there's a tiktok um, going around where someone's on the side filming and there's a troop of um guardsmen essentially yeah. and they're going they're all out of step they're all all a bit of a mess essentially are they just walking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then literally about 10 feet behind them is the troop of Royal Marines there and they're all absolutely in step look fucking awesome they all look like they're the same person it's just like that's fucking a great illustration of the yeah. of the two the pith, what's, the, what's the thing with the pith helmets and the Royal Marines don't know uh, normally there's a history normally, behind that there is but normally it's the case that they haven't got enough peak caps because You'll see this weekend, Pete Cap is the is is the dress, um, and that's what non commissioned officers and, and marines wear, and then officers wear pith, pith pith helmets usually. Right. But I think if there's maybe if it's a special occasion like this, then they they up, go up one. <laughs> right. I just wondered because yeah, yeah, yeah. they stand out a bit in their pith helmets, don't they? Yeah, they do. Look a bit novelty. That's probably why it wore, isn't it? Because you look, look like one of the guards. You look like a hat in your hat. Yeah, it's true. Uh, right, well, I think we've covered that pretty well. It was a pretty pretty extensive episode, that was. That yeah, could and if be nothing a, could else... could be a record. If nothing else, the um, the war movies is just something for you to take home. So, uh, there you go. There is our veterans episode covered off. Uh, if next you've got... week, what were we going to think about doing are we going to decide on that as we we've go got a f- we're juggling a few plates aren't we because we've got a yeah. few we've got a few interesting weekends in the pipeline which should serve as good podcast topics yeah so we'll fill you in with our adventures off screen on screen uh, in the coming weeks <laughs> yeah uh, and then we've also got the mental health behemoth to mm-hmm. cover yeah, which, which is, is going to take episode. we want to do our due diligence on that so we don't want to rush into it rush into that but yeah we've got a lot of exciting podcasts coming up Got any comments about your favourite war films, or yep. if you're a veteran and you've got any funny pertinent stories? Or... Pertinent stories. Or I was going to say funny dits, but yeah. that, that just says a lot about me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. either or, get them in the comments. Drop them in the comments. If you're on Spotify, leave us a review. If it's not five stars, don't leave us a review because um, our average will come down. <laughs> yeah. If you're on Spotify, do that, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe, uh, and we'll see you next week in yeah. our next episode. See you next week.